today's show is about is the left's favorite tool, propaganda. That's right, propaganda. Now, the left likes to use propaganda in order to try and convince people to do things and support things that they otherwise would not think think even think about supporting if they knew the truth. All right. And I kind of screwed up a little bit on the intro here and kind of threw me off my game a little bit here. I was expecting one thing and accidentally pressed the wrong button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, the left likes to go through and use propaganda in order to get you to support things that you otherwise would not support if you knew the truth. And there's a lot of ways in which they go about doing this, but the most popular way is they try to throw out a statement and a scenario in which no reasonable person uh, would disagree with, but then they try to falsely apply it to a situation in which it does not apply, right? That is their main thing. And there's actually psychology behind this where if you can get people to start saying yes and get them into an agreeable mood, right? Then they're less argumentative. Their defenses go down. And then you can start uh, going through and getting them to agree to a lot more things that if they were already on the defensive and thinking critically, they would know not to agree with. And there's a whole uh, psychology uh, behind all of that. Uh, but it kind of goes back to uh, biolinguistic programming, you know, which is a form of uh, hypnosis and trying to get past uh, people's uh, defenses. Politicians get trained in that uh, all the time, especially those on the left. You know, and so I thought I would go through here and you know point out some of that. Now, let's also take a note here. Now, when it came, you know, to those protesters and rioters and all that, yes, there are different groups, but they're all part of the same group and they're all there to accomplish a similar task. You know, uh, the pro peaceful protesters, you know, some of them are actually out there because they actually believe uh, in the narrative and they want to cause changes. Some of them, you know, are paid from crowds on demand. Then we got Antifa, which is, you know, the violent group. You know, then we have Redneck Revolt, which is an Antifa offshoot. And basically you got the violent groups, you know, doing all the damage and all that in order to draw the cops in. And then when the cameras come on, the violent groups, you know, disappear off camera like a block away. And then you get the peaceful protesters, you know, are the people who are to be peaceful for the cameras you know, uh, there, and then the police, you know, have to get by them to get to the violent actors, and the peaceful protesters are supposed to be human shields for the violent actors, and then, you know, what you get is a lot of propaganda video and pictures, you know, to circulate in order to promote and continue the narrative of systemic police brutality. You know, there's a huge scam that goes on uh, with that. And then, of course, you know, we got the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle. And when we take a look at what's going on in that autonomous zone, I mean, that's, you know, pure anarchy. You know, that's them letting you know that they're there 
uh, because they believe that they need to tear down the entire United States, start over. That means throw out the Constitution, throw out all your rights, throw out all the laws, and then the left is going to rebuild a nation from you know from scratch based off of their ideology, which means they want to be able to dictate every part of your life to you. I mean, they try to say the autonomous zone is peaceful protesting. It's like a block party. And yet people are going around the streets with guns, uh, basically holding people hostage inside of the zone. You know, in, in a lot of cases, and that you got to show ID to even leave or come back to your house. I mean, it is a complete and total police state there. And, and we've seen, you know, the videos, we've seen all of that, and, you know, high crime, and yet they, you know, the media and the left block every uh, bit of information as much as possible from coming out of the zone and try to spin it. Oh, no, 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 that doesn't happen. You know, ignore your lying eyes when you're watching those videos. It's just a peaceful protesting. See, they apply words also you know, such as peaceful protesting to violent rioting arsonists and terrorists, right? It's a word game to them, you know? Now, they did try to set up, you know, an autonomous zone in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, That didn't work very well. And, uh, yeah, and so I'm going through and I see people, you know, on the various platforms as I'm streaming on multiple platforms right now coming on and I'm just kind of, Gave a little bit of a summary over, you know, what I talked about last time. But let's actually talk uh, about the autonomous zone a little bit before I get into examples of propaganda that the left loves to use. I think the autonomous zone and why President Trump hasn't gone through to tear it down has to do with the fact that it can turn, uh, possibly turn Seattle red. I mean, think about this. The left has been promising this utopia if they were ever to get in charge. They got in charge of this, uh, you know, what is it, four, six blocks area, and everything is just horrible. You know, armed patrols, you know, people, you know, being uh, held hostage, you know, people not allowed to do much, high crime. You know, you got all of this going on and people are taking a look at what's going on in this so-called autonomous zone and going, this is what the left has planned? No, thank you. We see, um, you know, how many people are having their entire neighborhood uh, taken over and now they have to show ID even to go outside. And they're like, this is what the left has planned? You know, this is what they're actually offering? No, thank you. And then they see uh, the Democrats supporting this and and elected Democrats doing nothing to protect them, to stop, you know, what's going on with these anarchists and everything. And they're going, well, crap, you guys suck. So, yeah, I do see that, you know, in watching the left burn down uh, communities, take over places and you know, by force and by armed force and, you know, basically implementing, you know, the a police state with top-down tyrannical control really opens up eyes to people, you know, in Seattle and Washington. And, you know, they may be afraid to go through and speak out about it, 
but I I have a feeling it will open uh, an, a few eyes. Now, isn't enough eyes that it's going to turn, you know, Seattle and the state of Washington red? Well, that's up for debate. But if after all of this, they're voting Democrats, then they're a lost cause. You know, there isn't enough intelligent people in the state of Washington for anything. And yes, I do pick my words like that carefully. Because at this particular point in time, if you still in 2020 are voting Democrats, you're not very bright. You know, you're a sucker. And I'll go through and show you how they're suckering you. And then we get this uh, Rashad Brooks, right? You know, we have you know, a prosecutor who's, you know, having trouble with his reelection, trying to charge felony murder on a police officer. The prosecutor is also involved in some corruption, you know, um, was it embezzlement, you know, uh, issues uh, going on with him. And so he's just trying to, you know, pander, you know, and that's created a lot of problems in the area. But, you know, Rayshad Brooks, they're trying to say this is an instance of police brutality. No, it's not. No, it's not. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that pointed out this, but he slammed one officer's head into the concrete uh, while resisting arrest. Uh, That officer had a concussion. He stole um, a taser. Now, I get that the prosecutor's trying to say, well, the taser is not lethal. But, you know, a few weeks ago, he was talking about how lethal a taser is. But in any event, you know, whether or not it's lethal is not necessarily the issue is the fact that it's designed to incapacitate a person. And if you're incapacitated, oh, that means your gun and everything on your officer's utility belt uh, becomes easy pickings for the criminal. And so he, you know, beat the officers up, slammed their heads into the pavement, stole their weapons, and then tried to use it on them. Yes! That's going to end up being shot. You know what would have prevented him from getting shot? Not doing any of that. Not not engaging in a fist fight with the police officers. Not stealing their weapons. Not trying to use their weapons on them. If he would have avoided those things, he would still be alive. But this is one of those things where they want to try and act like it's an issue where the officers were in the wrong and that the criminal here who engaged in multiple criminal acts, right, right there on the spot, is somehow blameless? I mean, you understand how cognitively dissonant you have to be from reality in order to believe that Rayshaw Brooks was a bad police shooting, that Rayshaw Brooks was a victim, that this was an, an example of systematic racism. If you're believing those things, then you are ignoring all the facts, all the details, all the information, and everything that's going on about the situation. I mean, it's like the Michael Brown's uh, case, you know, hands up, don't shoot. Well, if you were to take a look at this, and they tried to say, um, you know, that was a bad police shooting. And of course, you know, when we go through and we talk about unarmed, you know, people being shot by the police, and we say that there was only nine in 2019, which... Uh, by all the information we have, that is an accurate statement. But that doesn't mean that those were unjustified because you got people like Michael Brown that would be included 
in such a statistic. Now, Michael Brown happened before 2019. I get that. But what happened? You know, um, a cop tried to ask him to, you know, stop walking in the street and just walk on the sidewalk. What happened? He violently assaulted the police officer. And this is after he had already robbed the store. He violently assaulted a police officer. Broke, I believe, broke his nose, uh, fractured his eye socket, and tried to steal the police officer's gun. At the time that Darren Officer Darren Wilson pulled his gun and shot him, Michael Brown, by all forensic evidence, was leaned forward in a charging position, running at Officer Wilson, leaving him no choice but to shoot because he had already suffered a fractured eye socket, a concussion, and a broken nose. Right? That is a justifiable police shooting. But this was the hands-up-don't-shoot lie. Right? So when we go through here and we talk about these instances, you know, trying to say that just because the officer shot him, that means, you know, bad and whatnot. No, you have to actually look at the situation. You know, had he just gone ahead because he was drunk, he was beyond the wheel, he was drinking and driving. You know, what's the protocol? He should be arrested. And the moment the cuffs were coming on, boom, he got violent. And he violently assaulted the officers. Right, but no, God forbid we ever hold the criminal accountable for acting like a criminal. Uh, and then, you know, we I'll go through uh, more examples here. But, you know, it, it's the amount of facts, data, and information you have to ignore in order to false prey to the leftist narrative is really quite amazing. R- really is. All right. So I just wanted to kind of touch up on that a little bit here. Now let's go ahead and take a look at, you know, the left's favorite tool, propaganda. And I even see this in my own Facebook feed. And I just look at some people that I had thought were pretty intelligent. And I go, man, they even suckered you. Right. So, I mean, it is what it is. Right, so let's go ahead and take a look at some of the propaganda. All right, so one thing here. It goes, if you're getting sick of me sharing BLM content, and then it goes, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. We are trying to change the world. Okay, um, changing the world is not always a good thing. Right, You have to be a little more specific. You know, just going, we're trying to change the world. Yeah, so was Hitler. What's your point? I mean, I know Hitler, World War II, is most overused, right? But Hitler was trying to change the world. That didn't make it a good thing. In fact, there's a lot of, you know, tyrants and dictators throughout the centuries that thought they were going to change the world and not for the better. So just going off there and trying to say, we're trying to change the world, I mean, I get that you're supposed to be left with the impression that, Changing the world is a good thing, but changing the world in and of itself isn't good or bad. It's how you're trying to change the world. And when you're trying to change the world based off of a lie in order to get people to surrender their freedoms or to go back to the way the world was hundreds of years ago where you had oppressive governments dictating every aspect of your life to you, 
where your genitalia and your skin color would determine uh, your value, your worth, and what you could and couldn't do in life. Yeah, that's that's not exactly the change in the world that we want to see. You understand? Starting to get uh, where the propaganda starts coming into play here from the left. They do surface-level statements and then expect you not to do any deeper thinking. All right, so here's another one. You know, I support the goal. You know, this one is trying to play to the um, religious right, right? And then I'll go through and I'll debunk this bull crap pretty quickly. You know, I support the goals of Mo- Moses. You know, let my people go. And this is saying, you know, trying to speak to those who support the protest but don't support the violence, right? But I'm disappointed to see... What used to be a peaceful protest takes such a violent turn. Politely asking Pharaoh to free the Israelites from slavery is more effective than unleashing plague after plague on Egypt. And now I hear a lot of Israelites are out destroying their own community by tagging their homes with some type kind of gang sign that's painted with animal blood. What does that even accomplish? I agree that a whole... People being in bondage and having their babies killed is kind of messed up, but it's still never okay to destroy people's property with hell and locusts. They need to show more respect to the people you've been systematically slaughtering them. Uh, Violence never solved anything. Two wrongs never make a right. All right, there's a few, there's quite a few things you know that are wrong with the statement. First of all, uh, the Israelites didn't you know, go and engage in the violence. They didn't go off and destroy anything. Um, That was God. You know, the people who were enslaved, you know, and wanting change didn't do, didn't do it themselves. Right. You understand that. Oh yes. And also um, when they got what they wanted, you know, the, the violence stopped. You know, when, you know, so if we were to compare this story here um, to what's going on right now, um, you were saying justice for George George Floyd. Uh, The officer was fired, arrested, charged, and unless he pleads guilty, um, he's going uh, to, to trial, right? So you already got your justice, and then you continued to destroy, burn things down, and all of that after you had already gotten the justice you were claiming that you wanted. I didn't see the Israelites uh, doing that after they were free. And I didn't recall the Israelites themselves engaging in such action. In fact, they were fearful of the repercussions that such actions were going. And it was nature. You know, there's quite a bit of a difference between, you know, saying locusts came in um, and ate the crops versus you as a person doing it. Now, I mean, there is so much wrong. This isn't even comparable. You know, this, this in no way, shape, or form has any reflection. On any of this, you know, I mean, you understand. And if they're still saying that they're doing this in order to do protests and get something, then it wasn't about George Floyd, was it? 
you're after some other goal that you are not being clear about. You know, you're just using it as an excuse. And by the way, how many Israelites killed each other during all of this? I mean, you understand that this all started supposedly because of outrage by, by these protesters and rioters over the death of George Floyd from a police officer. But these rioters and so-called protesters um, have killed more black people this year than the, uh, uh, let me be clear with my words here. More unarmed black people have died at the hands of these protesters than by police officers in all of 2019, right? You understand that. I mean, you understand that. So you're concerned about, you know, black people being killed by the police. And so you're engaged in a movement that kills more black people than the police, do you not understand the hypocrisy there? Do you not understand where there might be a little bit of a problem in your particular logic? Hmm? Where is the outrage over all the black people killed by the protesters? It seems to be that Black Lives Matter seems to be more situational on the left. You know, Black Lives Matter only if you die in a certain way, only if you're killed in a certain way. Black Lives Matter, so long as it can be used for political purposes and narratives. That seems to be the actual message from the left. They don't care. They actually don't care about Black Lives or, you know, George Floyd. To them, they'll use an excuse. Because if they actually cared about black lives, then they would be concerned over how many black people have been killed by their riots. Right? And so, you know, obviously, uh, this right here was written by someone who doesn't actually have any grasp or understanding of the Bible and didn't actually read it themselves, but just did more of a summary you know, or just heard a summary and have some vague familiarity uh, with the, you know, Moses story. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. All right, so let's see here. Uh, will I be called racist, homophobic, uh, sexist for my religion here? Not unless that's the core tenets of your religion. I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to say here? You know, um, as far as it goes, if you're an actual religion, then chances are no, because I don't know of any religion that is based off of that. I mean, you know, but if you're just making up a religion, you know, just making up something and calling it a religion, and those are the core tenets, I mean, I'm just kind of joking around a little bit, but... um just to go through and, you know, tell you a little bit more here. Uh, and this question is coming from someone on Twitch here. Um, this is not a religious prod, uh, podcast. So, you know, uh, the only reason why I brought up the whole Moses thing was to point out uh, the propaganda from the left. 
so this is not uh, a podcast on religion. So I don't see where religion has anything to do with this podcast. It, unless people are trying to use religion in order to perpetrate propaganda, in which case I will call that out. I hope that answers your question. All right. So now uh, there is uh, some more stuff here uh, that is going on here. So another thing that is going on uh, that I see from the left here and them trying to perpetrate their propaganda is there's a Facebook post. It's one of those copy and paste this. And it is a long, long post in which everything that they say is based off of a false narrative, false claim, and it's just really disgusting what they've done here. And so I just copied and pasted it into a Word document. And the person who wrote this has some spelling issues, you know, from time to time, you know, but, you know, it's still okay enough for you to get the general picture. All right. So uh, this Facebook post goes off and goes, okay, white friends, I'm about to lay some hardcore truth on you right now. Well, after we read this, we'll find out that that opening statement is a lie, right? And many of you are not going to like it. Yeah, well, we tend to not like being lied to. Some of you are going to get immediately defensive. Well, if you were being truthful, we wouldn't. I, I, I know I'm adding a lot of commentary here. But before you comment from an emotional place, <laughs> um acting as if anyone who would disagree with what's going to be going on here is emotional. Um, I'd say this entire post is based off of emotion and not fact, but okay. I encourage you to stop, reread this post, and do a little bit of research. I wish you would have done a little bit of research before you wrote this crap. All right. All right, so it goes, okay, here we go. You know, many of you are the problem. Oh, so if we don't disagree with the lie, we're the problem. Okay, okay. I, I, I get how that goes. You know, yes, you read that right. Many of you are the reason why these riots are happening. No, we're not. No, not in any way, shape, or form. Right? So it goes off and accuses you. I mean, it lies in the opening it lies in all of its justification, and then it tries to blame you for being the problem if you don't go along with the lie. All right, many of you are the reasons why it's come to this. This is especially true if you've ever, but especially in the last week, said any of the following. All right, all right so let's go here. Number one, it's awful, but. No, no buts. In the English language, the word but is often used to deflect or to justify behavior. Police murdering black people in the streets is awful, period. End of discussion. Yeah, if police were murdering black people in the streets, one instance of it happening is not police murdering black people in the streets. One instance does not justify burning down multiple major cities. One instance does not justify robbing, stealing, and engaging in action that ends up killing more black people. It is awful, right? It was awful. 
what happened to George Floyd. And we can all agree on that. But, but, in no way, shape, or form does that mean that you are justified to engage in action that kills more people, destroys lives, burn down people's homes, houses, livelihood. In no way, shape, or form do you protesting George, the death of George Floyd justify you destroying more black lives and black communities and black businesses and all of that. So yes, there is a but. It is awful. But that still does not give you the justification or the right to destroy communities, destroy more black lives, and kill more black people. Even if you are doing it in the name of ending the death of black people. Did you not put any thought into that? Hmm? Hmm? But you're not allowed to say but. You're just supposed to agree with it. And then not think about whether or not the actions and the results of their actions are justified, what they claim to be, or anything else. You're not allowed to put any additional critical thought into what's going on. And you're also not to question the narrative that police are going around killing black people in the streets. One instance, you know, of this. You might find one instance, you know, maybe two or three instances in an entire year that is not police going around killing people. And even if it is three times a year, guess what? It's not black people who are getting the most of it. And we'll get to more of that later on. All right. Number two, I support the movement, but not these disruptive protests. Now, you know how how they try to say protests rather than riots, arson, criminal behavior. You know, and it goes, no, you don't. Right now, the movement is taking the form of disruptive protests. It's not protests, but, you know, disruptive is different than arson, looting, complete anarchy, destruction. Disruptive protest and terrorism are two different things, but they conflate. You know, they're the same thing. You either want police to stop murdering black people in the street or you don't. If you do, then you support protests, even if you find them disruptive or frustrating. So this is another one of those false narratives. So if unless you support these protests, burning down people's buildings, killing more people, destroying communities. If you don't support that, then you support police murdering people in the streets. You know, that you support the police burning down. No, no, this isn't either or. They're both bad. They're both bad. You know, the people burning down uh, buildings are just as bad as as the officer that killed George Floyd. I don't have to be pigeonholed. Um, I don't have to be pigeonholed in choosing between Hitler and Stalin. I can say they're both crap. I can say they're both garbage. But this whole trying to give you a false choice, either you support the destruction of community and the death of more people, or you support police officers murdering black people in the streets. Now, the whole narrative that 
police officers are doing that versus you have one officer who did that, you know, and you might have two or three officers an entire year, you know, do that. You know, so the narrative that the the police are murdering people in the streets is wrong. This whole, you got a false choice that either you're supporting one or the other versus they're both crap. You understand this is how propaganda works. They try to frame a narrative and then pigeonhole you into either you agree with us and you're a good person, or if you don't agree with everything we say mindlessly, you're evil. All right. So let's go on to the next one. All lives, white lives matter too. No one said they didn't. The conversation is specifically about black lives right now because police are murdering them in the streets. Until police stop doing that and white people stop dismissing it, it's not all lives matter. Again, they frame a false narrative, right? They frame a false narrative. Police are not murdering black people in the streets. That's just not supported by anything. So they give you a false narrative as to why they use a racist term like black lives matter. When you have to justify or preface which lives matter with a skin color, that is racist because the implication is no other lives matter except for that, right? And it, once again, relies on the false framing that police are murdering those in the streets. <sighs> You're starting to unravel here how they tell a lie, they repeat the lie, and they keep repeating it and giving you various scenarios in which are various you know, false choices based off of a lie. You know, because, you know, you can't have any deep thinking. So if you don't agree with this or you question the narrative, you're evil and therefore no one should ever listen to you because you're just an evil, horrible person. You know, and no one's dismissing it when a black person is unjustifiably killed. But we also got to wonder why you're very selective about which black lives you care about. You don't seem to care about how many black people are killed on an average day, an average weekend in Chicago. You don't seem to care about all the black lives who have been killed by these so-called protesters, what you're labeling as protesters. You don't seem to care about any of them. You only care about the one you can spin into a political narrative. So we got to start questioning whether when you say black lives matter, if you actually only mean some black lives matter, right? I can push back on there about questioning why you're very selective about which black lives do and do not matter. Hmm? Interesting. And why you keep having to repeat the same lie over and over again. I mean, even if all nine unarmed black people in 2019 that were killed by the police um, were unjustified. Okay, so let's see here. Nine, What's what percentage does nine out of over a million count for? So you're talking about one one trillionth of a percent of police officers un, could be considered having unjustifiably killed uh, a black person, and that is somehow systemic 
and you know proof that police officers are gunning down black people on the street just for the color of their skin you know you understand if the if the narrative or the framing the basic premise of your statement is complete bullshit your entire statement is complete bullshit all right all right let's continue on here there are good cops well no one said there weren't uh, there are three categories of cops, good cops, bad cops, and complacent cops. Uh, good cops are marching with the protesters. Mm, debatable. And sharing the hashtag Black Lives Matter. So, you know, only if they agree, you know, with what, you know, with the with letting people burn down the cities and communities, are they good cops? Okay, I, I get the narrative here. They're trying to change the system from within the system. There are many levels of bad cops. The most obvious are the, those officers that are murdering black people in the streets. What? One or two? I mean, you're basically trying to go off and, you know, frame that most cops uh, are the, are that the police are, you know, are an irredeemable system because every so often, one or two of them do something bad. You understand how, you understand that with how low of bad cops there are, how low these incidences actually occur based off of the total number of police officers, the total number of interactions, and all of that, that the police have fewer bad apples uh, on their force than any other organization, right? With maybe the exception of the military, right? And you understand that the police are made up of that community. So what does that really say about your community? Hmm? Think about that. You know, they're really just saying that their community is trash. Their community is garbage people because their community makes up the police force and the police are horrible, even though they have less bad apples than any other organization with the exception of maybe the military in this country, right? Where you might have in any given year, you know, let's say on the high side, maybe you have 20 bad officers out of every million. You understand how small that is. You don't burn down an entire system because of one one trillionth of a percent of them is maybe bad. Ooh. Okay, here. Now, I'll, I'm going to go through here. and I don't support the looting and uh, destruction. No one says you have to, but please stop acting like looting uh, nullifies the entire protest. Well, if the entire protest is based off of, hey, I want to get some free shit and I'm going to use this as an excuse. Um, yes. You know, why don't you do a clear job, you know, of condemning the looting yourself? I mean, you understand here, right, that if you're saying that looting is an essential part 
of your protest, then you have nullified the very reason why you are claiming to be protesting. Why aren't you out there condemning the looting and the violence yourself as well? Why is that something that you don't disagree with? You know, why are you agreeing with the looting, the arson, and all of that? Why is that in any way central to what you claim to be protesting? Have you ever asked that question? All right, let's see here. Uh, if it were your kids, your narrative would be different. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter the situation. You know, both the police and the military bad apples have guns. Oh, yes, and disarming ourselves and letting China and Russia come in would be so much better, wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, you understand that one of the main reasons why we have not been invaded is because of our Second Amendment rights. You know, there's been a lot of historical documents written about that, uh, you know, from uh, foreign generals talking about how impractical it would be to invade the U.S. because there would be a gun behind every blade of grass. You know, who is claiming uh, that the looting is the central part of the, these protests? Well, this is where I was getting at here. You know, when you go through, this is one of those things on Facebook where you're supposed to copy and paste. You know, I don't support the looting and destruction. No one says you have to, but please stop acting like looting nullifies the entire protest. Well, if looting was not part of the protest, then being against looting doesn't nullify anything. Being against the looting, you know, and thinking that being against looting nullifies the protest, you can only make that statement if looting is a central part of how you plan on protesting. Otherwise, if looting was not part of your protest, you could also be out there condemning the looting. You understand that you only don't, that you could only, you know, support the looting if you believe that it's part of your protest or that being against looting nullifies your protest, well, that can only be the case if looting and uh, is the cent you know is central part of your protesting. You understand that, right? You know, uh, what I'm trying to go off here is they're trying to pigeonhole you into an either-or situation instead of recognizing both is bad, right? Instead of recognizing both is bad. You know, they're trying to say... You know, pigeonhole you. Either you support Hitler or you support Stalin. Choose. Well, I say they're both bad, right? And their narrative is based off of complete crap, you know? And so, you know, basically left, Black Lives Matter. You know, they're trying to go, who's trying to pigeonhole you? The people that write this crap. The people that write, you know, these Facebook posts crap and the people that go off and try to say either you support Black Lives Matter and how they go about doing things or you support the police gunning black people down in the streets. No, they're both bad. 
I'm not going to be pigeonholed into an either-or situation. They're both bad. Right? And you understand that the that more black people have died in these Black Lives Matter protests. You know, um, and more black lives have been killed by the people protesting what happened to George Floyd than unarmed black people did by the police in all of 2019. So it's kind of interesting. Um, I can say, yeah, both are bad. All right. So let's see here. You know, this is another one, you know, trying to justify white privilege, you know, and yeah, white privilege. Let me explain to you. It's a myth. Doesn't exist. It's an excuse for failed policies. Right? Your skin color doesn't determine jack crap in the United States. It doesn't determine whether life is easier or harder for you. There are plenty of black people that have had it easy and plenty of white people who have not. And re- vice versa. Your skin color does not make a bit of difference in, uh, in your life in the United States. The only thing that makes a difference is your choices. That's it. Your choices. So if you choose to drop out of school, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. Your life is going to be harder. Unless you're naturally talented and can develop something like Facebook. Okay. (laughs) You know, but 99% of the time, you're not the one who's going to develop Facebook or the next Facebook. Right? Your individual choices do. Your skin color doesn't. And it's amazing how the left obsesses about skin color. You know, the right, uh, those of us on the right, we don't care about your skin color. It matters nothing what your skin color is. It's your actions and your decisions. That's all That's all that matters. Right? That's all that matters. But to the left, your skin color and your genitalia determine what you can and cannot think, say, do, or believe. All right? It dictates everything about your life. You know, there might be a word for that. Okay. So uh, going off here, uh, just taking a look at all of this, I really wish the... You know, okay, here, here's their justification for the violence. You know, I really wish they would protest peacefully. Well, of course you do. They're easier to ignore that way. People of color, again, whoever wrote this just can't spell. That's not how you spell color, right? All right, Uh, people of color been peacefully protesting for hundreds of years. It has, you know, it hasn't been all that successful. The reason riots and violent demonstrations work is because it makes people, especially white people, uncomfortable. Wait a minute, does not work? Does not work? Okay, so does not work, you know, and okay, so we didn't end segregation on peaceful protesting. I understand ending slavery took a war, right? We, segregation, we were able to get rid of the KKK. We were able to get rid of Jim Crow laws. We were able to pass the Civil Rights Act. And we didn't need violence, arson, looting, and killing people in order to get that accomplished. 
You understand that black people in the United States have every rights, freedom, and everything that anybody else does and enjoy the best quality of life of anywhere in the world because they are treated, in all actuality, no different. Now, their decisions and their political ideology tends, are, and how they go about, you know, uh, politics does, you know, tend to affect, you know, uh, their decision-making. I understand that. But, you know, that's not limited to race. You know, there are white people that choose to vote Democrats and believe in what the Democrats say. And as a result, make really piss poor decisions based off of that. Again, it's not about skin color. It's about your actions and behavior. And guess what? Peaceful protesting goes a lot further and has accomplished a lot more than violence ever has. Right? Let me explain this to you. You know, some of you don't know this. Why Antifa is so dangerous and why their engagement in violence is so bad. Antifa is not a new organization. They've been around for well over 100 years. And it was, and it was uh, during the uh, time of Hitler, right, that there was a group called Antifa who engaged in violence, claiming to be fighting against fascism. And they were fighting against uh, the Nazi party, not because they really had a whole lot of difference in belief, but the Nazi party didn't really, and the brown shirts, uh, didn't really engage in a whole lot of violence. What happened? Well, when people were going through taking a look at the two sides, one side was violent, burning stuff down, attacking people in the streets, and the other side, you know, was appearing themselves to be peaceful. What happened? The violence actually pushed people towards the Nazi power. And it was the action of the Antifa group that allowed Hitler to rise to power claiming that he would be able to provide protection, you know, and restore, you know, calm and civility. People went towards the Nazis to be protected from the violence of groups like Antifa. You know, so it kind of, kind of interesting, uh, you know, parallel there. Now, both groups were leftist groups, you know, you know, whether it was Nazis or Antifa, they're both leftists. They both are communist socialists, you know, but violent violence can, you know, regardless of why it is you're engaging in violence can, you know, lead people to support horrible people that don't use violence to get their message across. All right. So, you know, I don't see color. You know, their, their explanation of that. Congratulations, you're lying to yourself. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, if we don't see color, if we don't care about color, we must be lying to ourselves. Just because you can't see past one skin color doesn't mean everybody is as unevolved as you. All right? I'll make that crystal clear right there. Now, I know some of you are... Ooh, you know, taking a look at comments from YouTube and Periscope and got, you know, one person uh, on Twitch uh, definitely engaged in the comments. Uh, Nazis are not communists. 
Well, I guess technically, uh, you're correct. They're socialists. Nazis are socialists. Right? In fact, socialists is right in the name of Nazi. That's what that's what one of the letters in Nazi stands for. Socialists. Socialists are leftists. And there's really not a difference between socialism and communism. Tomato, tomato. All right. So in any event, let's see here. <laughs> Here's another one. Oh, they shouldn't have committed a crime. All right. Now, their explanation for this. This is a big one for me. Consider me triggered. A boy who steals a can of pop from a 7-Eleven does not deserve to be shot in the back three times. A man allegedly stealing CDs or selling CDs on the street does not deserve to be shot to death in front of a record store. A man who runs a red light does not deserve to be shot while reaching for his registration. This isn't about their crimes. This is about bad policing. You know what? If any of those were actually the situation, we would agree. But this is part of the propaganda. You know, yes, you're right. Someone stealing a pop can uh, from a 7-Eleven does not deserve to be shot. If they reach for a weapon and like a knife or a gun and try to use it on a police officer, they, you know, in order to get away while they're trying to arrest them. Yes, they do. You know, selling CDs on the street corner. No. But again, if they try to use a weapon or try to, you know, ma you know assault the police officer, yes, they do. <clears throat> you understand that they're leaving out the other half of the situation, you know, which is, are they, you know, resisting arrest violently, assaulting the police officer, and were they armed while they were viciously assaulted? you know, assaulting a police officer in order to try and avoid arrest. See, it is about their crime. See, if you get caught doing a crime and you do nothing to resist arrest, you will not get shot. You, you will not get shot. You may be able to find one instance over the past decade where someone was shot while complying with a police officer. Right? You know, maybe two instances. Right? It's only those who resist arrest, physically assault the police officer, and try to attack them with a weapon that end up getting shot. So, yes, it is about the crime. It may not be about the initial crime they were committing that led to the officers responding to them. It was about the crime that they were committing when they were physically assaulting the police officer and trying to draw a weapon on him. That's what ends up getting them shot. So no, stealing a pop from a 7-Eleven, no, you will not get shot. But if you get caught stealing and you try to resist arrest by pulling a knife and uh, trying to attack a police officer or pulling a gun, trying to attack a police officer or trying to steal their own weapons to use on them, Guess what? You're going to be justifiably shot. Right? They always, you know, that they never include the full story on everything. And they're going off and trying to, you know, create examples. Right? Uh, you know, 
but you know, try to use a, you know, get, let me give you an example of a scenario. Yeah, but have those scenarios actually happened? You know, the way you're describing it? Um, all right, all right, all right, here. Let's see here. Just trying to pull out some of the biggest BS in all of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I support black people, but I can't support the violence. So in other words, you would prefer black, you know, people of color to continue to be murdered by the police. Again, they just keep going back to this fictional narrative that the police are going around killing black people in large numbers. It is a rarity, a statistical rarity. You know, um, I'm trying to go through here and, you know, just because of the length of time uh, that this is going on, I, I, I think I'm just going to try and go through uh, one more. I mean, they keep going on this for like 18 examples here. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So these two, I mean, they probably didn't even really think about this uh, a whole lot, right? Because the next two uh, kind of contradict each other a little bit. So uh, it is interesting. All right. So number 15. More white people are killed by cops than black people. Here are the statistics. They go, I love when people do research. Thank you for that. But those stats that you are proudly flashing around aren't an accurate reflection of the issue. And as we'll find out, neither is what they're about to say. Comparatively, the same data states that there are, you know, um, 40,610,815 black Americans while there's 234 million, you know, white people. So uh, your stats show that 1,398 white people have been killed by officers since 2017 and only 543 black people. Uh, what those statistics really show is, you know, and then they go through here, right? But she's, or he, or whoever wrote this, um, you don't seem to understand, you know, a couple of things. Total population size, you know, the 234 million versus the 40 million, that's irrelevant, right? That's irrelevant. And I know someone's about to be triggered going, what do you mean that's irrelevant? The actual relevant statistic is interaction with the police. See, if you have no interaction with the police because you're not committing a crime, you're not part of the, you know, relevant statistics. Yeah. You know? So for instance, you could say 234, you know, million white people. Okay. Now a lot of the now now there's a portion of them that are, you know, kids and teenagers and and then there's the portion who are elderly in nursing home. 
you know, not going to really have much in the way of police interaction, right? There are the law abiding, which have zero interaction with the police because they don't commit any crimes, right? So then what you really need to do is take a look at police interaction. You know, how often are police interacting with a white person? How often are they interacting with a black person? And then based off of that interaction, how many are killed? by the police. If you say, for instance, let's say, you know, and you do this and you could do this on a per capita basis, right? But if you were to go off and say, you know, um, I'm just going to throw out uh, examples to explain uh, this a little bit better here. You know, so let's say you had, you know, um, 50 white people and a hundred black people interact with a police officer and more white people were killed than black people. Right. Well then, yeah, you know, white people are killed at a much higher percentage by the police than black people. But then if you were to go off and say, you know, let's say there was only 50 black people that interacted with the police and a hundred white people, right. That interacted with the police. And you have the same number uh, of each race killed. Well, that flips the percentages. It's not about total population. It's about crimes. Out of what percentage of crimes, you know, that are committed by white people, um, do does it result in the white person dying by the hands of the police? And what percentage of crimes committed by black people end up with a black person killed by police? And guess what? Black people who don't commit crimes, don't interact with the police, don't have police confrontations, and they don't get shot. Ooh. So what we're talking about here when we talk about white people versus black people being shot by the police and which one's number, we're actually talking about white criminals versus black criminals. Because the law-abiding... Don't have that issue. They don't interact with the police, right? So we're only talking about the criminals of each race. And when you look at that, which is an accurate statistic, you know, because you can go off and say, you know, um, for instance, uh, 10% of 234 million, let's say, you know, criminality is at a 10% rate regardless of race. Right. Okay. 10%, you know, uh, would, you know, you would assume that meant that there would be more white criminals than black criminals. Right. And this is where I transition into the next statement. Oh, uh, black people commit more crimes and they go, do they really? Although according to data released in 2017, there were 475,900 black prisoners in state and federal prisons. 436,500 white prisoners. That's the difference of about 9%. So for argument's sake, let's say those numbers are an accurate reflection of the number of crimes committed. If people of color committed only 9% more crimes, um, they why are they killed by police officers at a rate of 120% higher? Okay, did you not do the math there? Hmm? So you're saying 9 
did you forget about your entire argument about total population size, you know, from before? So 10, let's say it was the same rate, 10%. 10% of the population is criminals. Well, 10% of 234 million people is a lot higher than 10% of 40 million, right? So, you know what? Give me a moment here. Let's go ahead and grab this calculator right here. So based off of the statistics that you provided here, right, there were um, 475,900 black people in jail. That is a population out of a population, total population size of 40,610,815. Okay, that means, all right, let me do this again here, all right, 475, 900, divided by 40,610,815, all right. So you're talking about um, my 10% uh, example across all races was, you know, very high. You know, but by using the math that this person sets up, that means only 1.17% of the black population commit crimes, right? So now we take a look at their stats for white people. Uh, 436,500, all right, divided by 234,370,202. Ah, my calculator doesn't go up that high. Okay, 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 so I'll just pull out my phone here. Uh, all right, so uh, let's see here, 436, 500, divided by 234, 370, 202, which equals about uh, 0.18% not even two-tenths of a percent, under two-tenths of a percent. So let's see here. Percentage of total population that commits crimes, um, the black community is 100 times more likely than the white community to commit a crime. And yet there's a 9% difference in, you know, the racial breakdown of who's in prison, right? Okay. Okay. So my argument from beforehand that the total population size of white people and black people in America doesn't make a difference. It's the, it's the how many of them are committing crimes, right? And then when you go off, and here's another thing, 
we say white people are, you know, killed by, um, you know, cops. More white people have been killed by cops than black people. Well, let's see here. Let's see if that's statistically true. So let's say we just take a look at the criminal population. So that would be 430. Oh, let's take a look here at this. So it goes, your stats show that 1,398 white people shot by police uh, divided by the criminal population. All right, so out of the total criminal population, that's three-tenths of a percent, right? Um, then we take a look at the black population, 475, 900, divided by, oh, 543 black people uh, out of uh, criminal population size, uh, 475, 900, one-tenth of a percent. So, yeah, white people who engage in crimes are three times more likely to be killed uh, by police officers than black people and then the portion of the black uh, community that engages in crime. Hmm. You know, almost like uh, your entire argument that you're trying to, to make here in your Facebook post is complete and utter garbage and nonsense. So um, there was a couple more things uh, that I, you know, was going to get to here. You know, um, you know, and, you know, it, it is, you know, kind of interesting. Plus, you know, if you take a look at this, um, yeah, you know, why is it that if we take a look at the racial breakdown of people committing crimes, why is it that a community that has so much fewer people commits so much more crimes? I mean, I mean, you could take a look at that. It's not based off of skin color. I think it has a lot to do with what's going on locally in the area, uh, the, you know, victimhood uh, mentality that is preached, you know, the anger, hate, and all of that that is taught you know, and all of that has a lot more to do with it than anything. I mean, if you're told you're a victim, you'll never be able to get anywhere. The world hates you, so you need to hate it back. That tends to create a different frame of mind than, you know, hey, you're in the greatest land in the world. Your skin color doesn't mean anything. You can do and be anything that you want. Even president, in case you forgot. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and end this episode here. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will be back again soon.